Detective, what if I told you that God and the devil made a wager? Kind of standing bet for the souls of all mankind. I tell you to stay on your meds. Humor me. No direct contact with humans. That would be the rule. Just influence. See who would win. Okay, I'm humoring you. Why? Who knows? Maybe just for the fun of it, no telling. Oh, so it's fun. It's fun when a man beats his wife to death. It's fun when a mother drowns her own baby. And you think the devil is responsible. People are evil, Mr. Constantine. People. You're right. We're born capable of terrible things. But then sometimes something else comes along and gives us just the right nudge. Well, this has been real educational, but I don't believe in the devil. You should. He believes in you. Popheads, welcome to issue 108 of the TomCast Popcast. We are coming to you live-ish. Once again, from the safe, friendly confines of the Tom Cave, where we still have full access to the United Postal Service, which is great news. Thank you so much for listening to this quality, independent podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to download and listen. Make sure you're also following us on social media, at TomCast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. And you can become an official member of Pophead Nation by signing up for our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast, where you will get access to all kinds of super cool bonus content if you sign up for that $5 tier. That's going to get you access to bonus podcasts, uh, commentary tracks for movies, and all kinds of other fun stuff. You'll get videos that I record on a quasi-weekly basis. And uh, it's generally a good time and a little extra bang for your buck for being Patreons. Uh, because, hey, without without Patreon support, the lights don't stay on in this podcast. So we thank our, our Patreons every episode. Thank you to our current Patreons. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Mr. Jeff Nail. Jeff is the co-host of the fantastic music podcast, The Ringing Ear. I recommend it highly. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles. Thank you to the Squid Messer General himself, Mr. Brian Broussard, and the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer. Thank you so much for being Patreons. I hope you are enjoying uh, the recently released Captain America audio commentary track. What's that you say? Captain America? That movie's not that old. No, no, my friends. This is the 1990 debacle known as the Captain America movie with an Italian red skull, with a uh, Steve Rogers who likes to steal cars, with a uh, Steve Rogers who uh, lives in Newport Beach. Who knows? It's all crazy. So that's why we did a commentary track. And why we, I mean me, I sat there and watched that piece of shit again. So, hey, <laughs> the things I do for my Patreons. All right, finally, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, whatever platform it is you, you prefer. And please leave us one of those sweet five-star reviews and, uh, you know, continue to like and share the show amongst friends and family and even your enemies, because I'm sure they'll get a kick out of it, too. Uh, what do we have today for you guys? Well, we have, listen, this podcast, that we, we like to make good in our threats on this podcast, and so that's what we're doing today. We're making good on the threat that Roger and I 
uh, threatened last week on the show, and that is to do a, a discussion about the 2005 Constantine film. Oh yeah, it's this is this year. It's it's you know obviously it's 2020. No one can forget that because it's uh, 2020 and it's been pretty fucking awful all the way around from basically the start of the year to to current date of August 17th. Um, but it is the 15th anniversary of Constantine, starring Keanu Reeves. And, you know, I was reminded of that fact because they had a 15th anniversary re- reunion uh, on on the Comic-Con at home. Uh, so it was a panel available on YouTube currently uh, at Comic-Con's channel. Just, just Google Constantine 15th anniversary. You'll find it pretty easy. And, uh, it again, it, it was kind of like the reminder... That like oh yeah that movie did come out 15 years ago and it's uh, sort of a comic book movie. <laughs> uh, we'll talk we'll talk about that. I'm not going to get into too much uh, about the particulars of the film right now. I'm going to save that for the discussion because I'm going to be joined up with Constantine Superfan. Uh, just recently got the, the the ink to prove it, uh, and that would be uh, Jedi Raj himself, Jet uh, Roger Smith. He's going to join me. We're going to have a, a fun discussion about the movie where we kind of look back and talk about the things that uh, we liked and maybe didn't like about the movie and, and uh, you know, just kind of discuss if there's any possibility. Because, I mean, listen, at that panel, rumors came around. Is there going to be a Constantine 2? Could, could, could they go back to it 15 years later? We'll talk about that a little bit, too. So let's get the kind of like the particulars out of the way for the, for the movie. Again, starring Keanu Reeves. And directed by Francis Lawrence. Uh, this is Francis Lawrence's dr- major feature film directorial debut, basically. Uh, he cut his teeth doing music videos and, and such. And I think we'll talk a little bit about how he shot this film and how it looks and and, and, the, and things of that nature. Uh, also starring in the movie is Rachel Weisz, Jim uh, and Hansu, Shia LaBeouf. We got... Who else? We, uh, we have to talk about Gavin Rosdale. <laughs> we have uh, Tilda Swinton in the movie, Peter Stormare's in the movie. Uh, it, it's a really, it's a really nice cast. All, all, per, to be perfectly honest with everybody. Um, again, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to start down uh, a discussion of the film because you know that's what Rogers for. I want to wait for him. Uh, <laughs> Akiva Goldsman is, is credited as, as one of the screenwriters for the movie, and uh, well, again, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep on this. So I, I hopefully you guys have seen the 2005 Constantine movie. Uh, again, it's been out for 15 years. It's pro- uh, I looked for streaming somewhere, and I couldn't find it, at least not on the major outlets. Um, I couldn't find it streaming on Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu, at least at this time. Uh, it wasn't even on HBO or HBO Max, which I was a little perturbed by because it seemed like a lot of DC-centric content is available through HBO Max. But at least right now, Constantine is not amongst them, and that's a bummer. So I had to... I ended up purchasing the film off of Amazon Prime. It was eight bucks, not too bad. I could have rented it for two, but I was like, "Eh, it's a solid flick. Let's watch it." Spoilers: I thought it was a solid flick. Anyways, so here's that's the primer. That's everything you kind of sort of need to know going into the movie. Um, yeah, I don't like. I'm using IMDb here for some of the credits, um, but they're giving. A lot of writing credits to comic book writers, which I don't think is accurate at all. There's a couple inspired buys. Um, I guess Frank A. Capello is the one who gets the main screenplay credit on on the flick. Also written by the Kevin Brobden and and uh, story by Kevin Brobden, screenplay by Kevin Brobden and Frank A. Capello. 
So, but heavily inspired by the DC Comics. So, a little primer, if maybe you're not 100% familiar with John Constantine, uh, John Constantine is a comic book character. Uh, basically, a DC Universe character uh, started off, debuted in the pages of Swamp Thing, uh, created by Alan Moore, who you may know as the creator of Watchmen, creator of V for Vendetta, and a hand, uh, uh, just tons and tons and tons of comic books. <laughs> uh, he debuted in the saga of Swamp Thing number 37, which was June 1985, and it was, uh, he became insanely popular. He was dubbed as like a sort of working class warlock, an occult detective uh, from England. Brown trench coat, Sting-esque blonde hair. Sting very much inspired the look of Constantine back in the 80s. Uh, and, and he became immensely popular, insanely fast. A lot, and based a lot of that's based on the fact that he was um, hilarious, but like in a, in a kind of a mean cynical asshole kind of way so he gained a lot of popularity eventually got his own comic book known as hellblazer so if you know the hellblazer comic you know who constantine is from that or if you're like why is he hellblazer well that's just kind of his superhero name no just kidding it's not a superhero name at all <laughs> he's just john constantine the hellblazer because he blazes hell wherever he goes that kind of thing anyways so that comic book is the inspiration for this film now, if you know a lot about DC and, and some of their history, uh, you'll know that uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, a lot of their characters were, were kind of uh, exported, I suppose, from the main DC universe into what was known as the Vertigo comics, the Vertigo line of comic books, which was a more uh, adult-oriented setting for comic books. No superheroes existed within the pages of Vertigo comics. And and that that allowed characters like Constantine to kind of be the uh, big star that he could be because he wasn't going to be overshadowed by Superman and Batman and things like that, despite having interacted with them, you know, via Swamp Thing. But Swamp Thing also came to Vertigo, too. So there you go. And if you have heard Vertigo before, uh, that is also the home of Preacher, written by Garth Ennis, who also got his start writing The Adventures of John Constantine in Hellblazer. So a little tie in there. And I think we've talked about it a few times on the show uh, that Neil Gaiman's The Sandman was also home at Vertigo Comics. A, a, an imprint of DC. I, I, I don't know why I couldn't say imprint earlier. It just was a word that I was was eluding me. Uh, so there's a little bit of background on his comic book iteration because I'll, we're, I'll be honest, I'm going to get into that with, with my in my discussion with, with Roger because you can't help but try and draw some comparisons between this film and the comic book character that it's inspired by, because uh, there are similarities, but there are also stark contrasts. And, and so I kind of want to give you a little background on that uh, before we really deep dive into the film. So with that being said, I'm going to let the conversation, we're going to get started here. Uh, you guys have listened to me long enough. Let's let the podcast happen, all right? So buckle up, hold on to your butts, and then rebuckle those seatbelts, because uh, we're going through a bumpy ride through Helltown. Because we're talking about the Hellblazer himself, John Constantine, in our 2005 Constantine Retrospective. Hi. My name's John. You are in violation of the balance. 
leave immediately, or I will deport you. All of you. All right, here he is joining me via the Skypes, the one, the only, at Jedi Raj on Twitter and Instagram, Roger Smith. Yeah. The, the, our version of the occult detective. Yeah, the this, dabbler in the dark arts. Yeah, that's what that's what that's your real role on this show is you uh, cast spells and, and, and protective wards to keep us safe from uh, all podcasts that intend harm upon us. Yeah, I'm trying to work on that uh, number growing one. It's a little harder than it looks. How dare you, sir? But that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the the list of podcasts that hate us though is probably pretty long. <laughs> uh, yeah, keep those away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you doing all right? Things going okay for you, bud? Yeah, doing all right. Uh, it's a pretty light day at work. Nothing too crazy, and uh, there's at least a decent breeze today, so I'm not entirely melting. So that's fine. Yeah, dude, it was. Um, well, how, what's the best way to put it? Fucking hotter than hell over the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, and we'd know. Yeah, it was like, it was like that, that that steamy heat, you know, that that humidity was it was in the air from from dusk to dawn. I mean, I I, yeah. I would go outside to to walk 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 Mr. Chili, and uh, it was hot, man. At like eleven o'clock at night, it was hot. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> that is not cool. Need to stop that. <laughs> but it it probably uh, lends well to our topic of the day, which is oh, yeah. the Hellblazer himself, Mr. John Constantine. And oh, yes. the 2005 Keanu Reeves-led film. Yep. So the movie's <laughs> just now celebrating uh, this year. It's his 15th anniversary. Um, yeah. What are kind of like your general thoughts on this film? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming based on, on, the, on the branding <laughs> you now have on your arms uh, yeah. that it made a bit of an impact. Oh, yeah. No, th- this has always been uh, one of my favorite movies. I mean, I love Keanu Reeves. I love anything supernatural, paranormal, demon and angel related kind of stuff just kind of that uh just classic religious uh symbolism and all that kind of cool stuff just mixing together so like i'm i was always a huge fan of that might have been one of the first movies that really sparked my interest in it you know that came out for me in high school Mm -hmm. um so you know it was right at that prime point like i said i love keanu reeves I, i think at this point who doesn't but you know i was a huge fan of his since bill and ted as a kid and just you know it just went up from there so everything about this movie just kind of spoke to me and I kind of just recently had a resurgence of it because uh, one of my best friends, their kid is super into the movie for some reason. So every time I go over there and help them out, you know, babysit and stuff, we're watching Constantine. (laughs) So it's great. I've just been able to go back and just remember all these great lines. And I swear there's something new you see every time. So it's pretty cool. Right on. No, that's great. Uh, was the film kind of your first exposure to the character? Yeah, actually it was. Cause at the time I wasn't into comics much yet. I feel like I had seen the character before, but I didn't make the connection that it was the same guy. So I, you know, obviously since they kind of went a different direction with how they portrayed Constantine, that was like my first foray into the matter. So learning later on that, oh, wait, this character is the same Constantine, it was kind of really cool to just get like a different angle and different backstory as to what was happening. Yeah, right on. Yeah, in, in my case, I was coming into the film uh, with a pretty good uh, a base of knowledge of, of who Constantine was from the comic books. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Raj, I'm a little bit older than you. 
Just a little bit. <laughs> I've been in the comic book store a few more times than you by that at, at that point. Uh, so I so I had a, a base of familiarity with the character, and so I think in a, in a couple ways, um, I was excited about the film, but it also presented uh, some challenges for for mm-hmm. me as a, as a comic book fan because obviously like John Constantine has a very distinct look. Yeah, now, very it, much so. It's it's it it. You don't want to go into a movie, you know, prepared to not like it because like, oh, he doesn't look like the character. Fuck it, who cares? Yeah. But it is a stark contrast, very stark contrast. Sure. The the changes from Constantine to this Constantine in the film, very mm-hmm. different than than his origins. Um, but for me, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the picture. Now, I, yeah. I, I I have some things. We'll and we'll talk about them. <laughs> sure. I yeah. had some things that I was, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, all right. But it's a, it's a really uh, enjoyable movie. It's a strong picture. The plot is, is, uh, uh, it's pretty tightly plotted. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. things that are talked about at the beginning of the picture pay off at the end. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it really uh, uh, seeds itself well and then uh, harvests at the end. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I feel like they set up a lot of things early on and nothing feels wasted. You mm-hmm. know, like everything feels really tight and like, everything is said for a reason. So there, there's very few things in the movie that I'm kind of like, Oh, why did they do that? You know? So, yeah, I would, I would agree with you a hundred percent. Let's, let's kind of talk about, uh, that, that, that casting that was fairly controversial at the, at the time of Keanu yeah. Reeves as, as John Constantine. <laughs> uh, and remember this is two, the movie comes out 2005, but it films in like 2003, 2004, uh, where yeah. Keanu at the height of his matrix powers. Sure. So uh, you know, having Keanu Reeves as your 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 title character as as your main protagonist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Warner Bros. I'm sure was banking on on that that sweet Matrix money coming coming into in, coming into Constantine. Yeah, I'd imagine. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, as as I kind of alluded to, as a comic book fan, you're like, wait, Keanu Reeves <laughs> as Constantine? Are yeah. you sure? <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely a concern for a lot of people. I mean, especially hearing his uh, British accent in the Dracula movie. Uh, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, if you didn't, I was going to. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, whoo, it is not good in the Dracula picture. Yeah, it's a bit rough. It's it feels like he's trying very hard to make it sound good, and in doing so, it loses its authenticity. <laughs> it, it probably still sounds better than uh, than. Um... Who am I thinking of? Kevin Costner in his Robin Hood. <laughs> Probably. Though I do tend to forgive Kevin Costner because I, I find that Robin Hood movie uh, enjoyable. So. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a pass. Yeah. The, we'll if, 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 if I liked the Dracula movie more, I, I think I would have let that slide. But uh, I found that movie to be a sure. bit of a trudge. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, like you said, you're a Keanu fan. You you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's Bill and Ted and, and, you know, Constantine, this is a fresh thing for you. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're like, fuck yeah, Keanu Reeves, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I didn't follow too much of the movie like before. I think I made a, maybe saw a couple trailers in the theaters, you know, at the time. And I was just like, oh, wow, this movie looks like it's going to be really cool. And, you know, yeah, like you said, I'm a huge fan of the Matrix trilogy uh, as a kid. And just, you know, going through that, being like, oh, yeah, this is fucking Bill and Ted to the Matrix to this. Oh, this is going to be great. So, yeah, I had I had no qualms with it having no, you know, background knowledge of the character to that point. Yeah, I, 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 I can totally see that. And I was a bit of more of a, um, I guess, like the, the traditionalist as far as a comic fan <laughs> went, where I was like, oh, man, he's sure. not going to be, 
English and he's not going to be, you know, a sting look like and you know, the shock blonde <laughs> hair and well, not quite shock blonde hair, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, uh, Constantine's looks very much uh, derived from, from sting, the, the yeah. artist, not the wrestler. No. <laughs> so that might be interesting. <laughs> a lot sure of face paint, a, few of those. a lot of more face paint with the wrestling uh, inspiration. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, so uh, me and and uh, some of my friends who were also comic book fans, we came at it from a little bit of a different angle because the trailers look cool. I mean, like they're like all the elements were there. It looked like they were doing a, a good job, but we did have to kind of uh, figure out that balance uh, yeah. because it, it for whatever reason, uh, and, and probably because it's an American movie shot, yeah. you know, and, and they, so they kind of Americanized the character a little bit. Sure. Which sort of seems like a betrayal, but like mm-hmm. I said, the elements of the story are there. The characterization of Constantine is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. And if I were to critique uh, the performance a little bit of Mr. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, who is by far a way more talented actor than I will ever be, so he can <laughs> he can he can hear me say this, but he can also happily uh, flip me off at the same time. I'll be okay with that. But he's a pretty nice guy, so he probably won't. Hey, well, you know, I don't know. He was in that movie, and he made that guy fight him. <laughs> what was that movie, that rom-com that was on Netflix? I can't remember the name of it now. Oh, yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, because uh, I just revisited the film. I watched it again over the weekend. And I. Yeah. it was kind of funny because I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he did this. And I forgot that it kind of bothered me. But uh, yeah. his... Uh, his um, his gestures are very uh, amplified, I, I suppose, for for lack of a better word. Like when he's like snapping the lighter. I mean, it's yeah. very like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that, he's, he's very <laughs> a- animated. Not animated. That, that's a really good way to put it. Thank you, Roger. So I yeah. mean, that was like, kind of like my one thing that I was like, well, I don't know if I like that too much. I mean, he's just like very like with, with that lighter. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, sometimes I feel like it works. Mm-hmm. Like. Just small gestures, like when he's fighting that insect demon, <laughs> you know, he just gets him in front of the car and he just has the little uh, matchbox thing and he just kind of like tosses it to the side. And then you're like, why? And then he just gets hit by the truck immediately after. So you're just like those kind of like just exaggerated over the top movements worked in certain scenes a lot more than others. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And, and, um, Ooh, what's another good way to put it? Uh because I'm, I'm trying to figure out... I, I want to talk about the, his performance and, and the character, but I don't want to dive into like the plot necessarily, so I'm trying to like you know find the right words here. Um, sure, yeah. Let me ask you it this way. Yeah. As, as you became more familiar with the character later on, you know, yeah. more of like his... You, you know, you got more in touch with like the comic book versions after you yeah. saw this. Um, mm-hmm. did, you, did you have any problem reconciling the, the the Keanu Reeves interpretation, or was that just always like, that's my first impression of Constantine, so it's always going to be special? You know, I, I felt like I came to kind of understand the two as separate characters mm-hmm. in, in a certain regard. Uh, definitely gave them room to, you know, breathe in their own universes, but there were certain things, of course, where, you know, I, I see, you know, oh, in the comic, John is more like this. You know, John's a little more... Uh, he, he's a little more deviant in <laughs> all of his yeah. behaviors, and uh, and they really tone down Constantine in the movie. They make him probably more likable than he his actual character in the comics. You know, we like Constantine just having you know grown up and then seeing you know all these comic versions and everything around that. 
I think you're right, though. I think uh, reconciling the, the two versions of the, of the character is the best approach, the best way to get the maximum enjoyment out of it. And I think yeah. that was a place that I did eventually get to with the film because, like I said, it's a good picture. It's really strong, but it mm-hmm. is definitely like an Americanized kind of Hollywood version of Constantine. And yeah, definitely. Like you said, one of the things from the comic books, the, that, that interpretation of John, uh, why that comic book version of him is so endeared endearing to me mm-hmm. is the kind of yeah he's kind of a manipulative dick sometimes but he's like super yes. fucking charming yeah um and he always kind of does things with like the, like a, a, a smile and a smirk on his face because it's like sure. john's kind of seen behind the curtain and he knows the joke that existence <laughs> sort of is yeah and 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 because he's had that peak he's he's kind of like in on it with you know, the, the, the powers that be, you know, in, in the supernatural realm. Sure. Yeah. And that was, uh, I think that was something that didn't quite translate, uh, with, with Keanu's interpretation of the character, which was much more, um, direct kind of like just angry, bitter, a little bit bitter, you know, he's got, yeah, the, he's got the lung sure. cancer and, uh, he's kind of like on his, 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 uh, his way out and yeah. he, he knows where he's going and he's not happy <laughs> about it. Sure. But it's, it, it's an, it's an interesting interpretation of the, of the character and, uh, an interesting interpretation of the source material because a, a good amount of the film, particularly like the lung cancer stuff, is, yeah. is taken from the most probably the most famous uh, a Constantine or a Hellblazer comic uh, mm-hmm. arc, which is uh, Dangerous Habits. Mm. And uh, if I, you know, we haven't talked about uh, a lot of Hellblazer stuff on the show, but Dangerous yeah. Habits is one of those graphic novels that yeah, everyone should track down and read because it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, sure. Demons, angels. Cancer. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's just a good combo. It's good. It's a good combo, and it's also, if you want to get into the character of Constantine, nothing will will, will kind of uh, summarize him better than mm-hmm. that storyline and the way in which he's able to manipulate angels and devils into into basically uh, uh, getting out of of cancer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, but you know that that's that's a funny thing about his character is that it's like you said in in the comic book version he he's very much a less likable person than you know he is in the movie I would say as a whole but like like you said it's it's that charm and like just personality that he has that makes it so it even manipulates you as the reader into thinking he's a better person than he is you know it's it's kind of like you've been manipulated just as, as much as any other character in there. And you just learn to love this guy despite questionable decisions and choices that he makes along the way. Yeah. He's a character who, who basically, who burns all of his bridges at some point, at one point or another, his friendships Mm -hmm. and his relationships and things like that. Um, And then he comes back to you because uh, you can, you can help him with something and he knows what's going to happen. Like he knows you're probably going to punch him in the nose and knock him (laughs) on his ass. But then he's like, okay, cool, well, you, you did that. Now can we go get a beer and, and get on with our lives? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you done? Okay, cool, let's get started. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, he's like, all right, I had that coming because of what I did last time. I get it. But now let's let's move on with our lives. And the, that was... that was Sure, yeah, and that, that's something that they... No, sorry, go ahead. No, there's, sorry, there's a bit of a lag there for a second, so I think we are talking over each other. Yeah, no, it's good. What were we saying? Uh, I don't know now. I <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, so, I, I, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, that characterization of, you know, using people 
and uh, kind of manipulating them and getting their help later on. I feel like one good thing that the movie did do was touch upon that, just the way he was able to kind of manipulate, you know, the priest and Beeman and just all these different characters into helping him out. But it also kept true to the fact that if you help Constantine out, you're probably going to die. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about how, how the plot was, was pretty uh, intricately do- done and, and, and woven very tightly. Well, I think one of the things that I liked the most about it was um, was uh, uh, that they established the rules for their movie, for their Constantine universe, right yeah. at the beginning. Like They, they mm-hmm. lay it right there on front sheet. It's like, these are the rules that we're playing by, and that's where and we go from there. And it sticks yeah. to its rules. It doesn't throw anything out to help accomplish an end for the story. Everything sure. everything kind of works within what they set up, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, very much so. They, they did they did set the rules of the universe and even if it, you know, they didn't explain it, it was all understood, you yeah. know. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's interesting cuz again, Constantine is kind of a tricky character because of his his power set. You know, he, he's yeah. a, a cult detective, exorcist, warlock magician kind of guy but they, they definitely downplay the magician aspect of things and 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 up the occult stuff sure and and that again i think that's just kind of like a way to modernize them to an american audience that was probably like magic who cares like it was harry <laughs> fucking potter you know yeah yeah before dr strange magic wasn't a big thing i think right you know <laughs> I, I i think there's a fair amount of 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 uh misunderstanding when you when you start using the word magician and but he's yeah. not walking around with like a wand and a silly hat <laughs> yeah very much so so they they downplay the magician aspect of it and they downplay the the con man aspect of it mm-hmm. even though at one point lucifer does call him a con man in the in the movie but he didn't really yeah. pull a con on anybody no not in this movie you you kind of get the the understanding from the conversations he has with other people that he definitely uh Definitely manipulated everyone there, and they're all kind of pissed off at him about it for one reason or another. Yeah. Especially like with Papa Midnight when he's talking to him. But uh, yeah, you kind of get the understanding that he's probably pulled some things on people, but it's never explicit in this movie. Yeah. So he so he's he's what they used to call a flim flam man. <laughs> Which there you go. now you know why they don't use that word anymore. So. <laughs> uh, all right. So that, that yeah, that's kind of Keanu's take on the character, and that's kind of like some of the differences between are the films Constantine and the comic book Constantine. So yeah. with that established, now we can kind of get into the, the meat of the matter, which is the film yeah. itself, which is, we start off in Mexico. Yep. With the discovery of the spear of destiny, the spear that basically killed Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Spoilers again. <laughs> yeah. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> and this, the, it's, it's funny the, uh, watching the movie. I, I kind of forgot, like I kind of forgot about the spear plot. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, because it it, it 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 seems it's such a, a crucial element of, of the plot itself of of what the bad guys are trying to achieve. Uh huh. And Constantine's never actively looking for it. Yeah, and I he guess only sees it once prior. Yeah. Yeah, and I've al- and I, I always wondered if there was like maybe a, a deleted scene or some some kind of extra dialogue that was that was removed where Constantine kind of knows that the spear's mm-hmm. coming to him. Now that yeah. he's mixed up in all this stuff. But I just was curious about that and if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, it is true. The The entire uh, Spear, basically, story arc with, uh, with the guy, Manuel, that finds it and uh, is basically taking it 
to where they're, you know, up in LA where they're trying to be, um, where they're trying to get Mamna across. And that whole storyline is completely separate and <laughs> almost uh, incircumstantial to the rest of the plot, or I mean, the rest of the movie, you know, like nothing happens up until the very end where Manuel faces Isabel. And, you know, that's when the spear is finally there. And that's where the end of the movie happens. So <laughs> up until there, the spear is kind of just like, well, it's making its way there, but we don't really know why. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I thought it was an interesting uh, way to kind of handle that that story device without actually having to deal with that story device. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, this guy's going to find it and bring it to our characters so they don't have to go and do anything anywhere else. Yeah, it kind yeah, of it, is, it, it was an interesting way. Yeah, it, it kind of allows the action to to stay centered in Los Angeles uh, as as Constantine kind of weaves around this occult world that he uh, inhabits in in the city of Los Angeles. Yep, which is a uh, pretty fun. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, um, the, the discover the spear again. I I think that opening is really strong because you're kind of in uh, like this. I don't even know what you'd call it. Like this rurally kind of area south of the border with every now yep. and then like a car driving by like 10,000 miles an hour. And <laughs> yep. the guy picked up the spear. We, we got like a little bit of a, a, you know, a dialogue block at the, at the front of the movie uh, announcing that this basically so that we know the spear is, is imbued with mystical powers. Yeah. And so he's holding the spear and then one of these cars just comes and plows into him. <laughs> yep. And the car basically like just wraps itself around him. Yeah. And I think that was a strong opening statement from director Francis Lawrence, letting us know that like this movie's gonna look fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> he just pulled out all the stops, literally, in that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the movie's shot insanely well. It looks fantastic. Again, even 15 years later, and and being upscaled in, into high def, it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree and just to think that it was the director's first actual feature length movie yeah. is crazy to think i mean this guy just had such a knack for just setting up scenes in the coolest looking way you know yeah it was really it's really cool there there's it, there's some some great scenes uh, later in the picture uh, particularly with with lucifer walking through the shattered glass that is just yeah. you know really awesome stuff uh, one of the exorcism scenes and uh, you know i guess we'll get into it right now but yeah, I love their version of hell in this movie. Yeah, and we we get to see hell a couple different times, uh-huh. and it's it, it looks pretty fucking awful. I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get you. Yeah, no, their their interpretation of hell was super cool. I mean, you know, sometimes I joke around that it, it like it feels like that outside. <laughs> You're just like, oh man, I think I stepped into hell on accident. Yeah, it, it's it's a really cool visual because it's it's um. It's like a landscape that we know. It's like that L.A. landscape that we've, we've already seen the picture that in the movie, and it's yeah. kind of being echoed in hell, but everything's basically just like ablaze. And there's yeah. like, just like uh, like almost like these uh, nuclear kind of like winds that are just blowing across this hellscape. Uh, and it's yeah. fucking cool looking, man. It looks really, really cool in a place that I don't want to go on my next vacation. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool to think that like, you know, heaven and from my understanding hell or heaven and hell both have this similar uh mirror of the real world kind of aspect to them um just i mean because you see you know spoilers for towards the end when you you actually kind of get a glimpse of what heaven is you're kind of like oh well you can still kind of see the buildings in the background kind of thing you know 
Yeah, it, it was interesting though, that 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 little flash of heaven that you get, but uh, you don't spend yeah. much time there because hey, we we got things on earth to do. <laughs> yeah. In heaven, not as cool as hell. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that opening bit, and I think it sets a really a powerful visual uh, note for the film that we're going to get something that uh, uh, it's going to look great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they they do a really nice job with that, and then we get uh, we're introduced to the Rachel Vice character. The mm-hmm. uh, the sister Isabel, right? Is that I got that right? Uh, Isabel, she's Isabel. Her sister's Angela. I thought it was the other way around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I don't know. No, but we, the one in the mental hospital is the one we check in on first. I, I might be wrong. Right? You've seen it more recently than I. So, <laughs> I, it, names not my strong point, especially when we're dealing with twins. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of tough. Uh, yeah, double check. but it, it gets into like some really heavy stuff like right away with like the suicide of this character and her sister who's a Los Angeles cop having to process the the grief but trying to get her sister like a, a Catholic funeral but you can't do that because of the whole suicide thing and then that ties yeah. itself in with Constantine and his situation uh, from when he was a kid and he attempted to kill himself yeah and so uh, uh, sin and, and mortal sin become like really big elements in the movie right away and it's explained in a way that doesn't hit you over the head with like its religious themes. Sure. But the, you know, we're dealing with a movie with heaven and hell. So we got it. it and again, you got to play by the rules, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought again, another example of the movie being, uh, just kind of structured really, really well where, where the things play off of each other so that Constantine, despite his prognosis earlier in the film of, of, you know, lung cancer and on the verge of death kind of thing, uh, yeah, he can begrudgingly <laughs> sympathize and empathize with this character who just lost yeah. her sister to suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. I, I did check it up. Angela is the police officer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got the two confused. <laughs> you're totally right. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think it is. It, it's a really cool way of you know going about that aspect of it. So I I, I agree on that. <laughs> what did you think of the supernatural elements themselves? I mean, there's a lot in this movie that you're like, again, visually you're stunning, but you're like, wow, mm-hmm. what the, like, uh, you know, you got like, uh, 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 what the hell's it? Um, fuck guy, I can't remember his name now. Gavin Rosdale from Bush. Yeah. You know, as like a, I, I thought he was supposed to be like a, a, a senator, but I think they cut a bunch of his scenes. Okay. That that so it just looked like he was like some kind of power broker demon guy. <laughs> but I thought he was supposed to be like a, a senator at at some point. But they, they, maybe that's in a, a cut of a film that doesn't exist. You're talking about Balthazar? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean I liked his character for sure. Um, I mean, just with regards to him, he, that was that was cool that he was kind of just always kind of floating around in the background. You just kind of see him like fiddling with the coin over the knuckles. <laughs> I liked I liked his character. I, I don't know much about the uh, the possible senator backstory though. I. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, that's what I thought I had remember, remembered reading. But after seeing Gavin Rosdale's acting, I wonder if maybe they just cut these scenes on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, there, there's some uh, certain questionable parts where, uh, you know, finger licking good is uh, is said and uh, just doesn't doesn't come across great. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, and I don't know. I, I, I kind of wonder, I was thinking back, I was like, 2005, was like Bush even a big deal back then still? Or like what was happening? Hmm. Uh, you know, might have been. I mean, it was, they were definitely established by that point. I think. Um, 
I don't know. I don't well, know. it's not it's not important. <laughs> uh, I guess what I was trying to get into further was the plot of the movie, and I I, I derailed myself, so I, I apologize. <laughs> With Bush, but but you know we have the spear. We find out that's important. That that does, but it's kind of spear is almost kind of not important. But we're led to believe that it's quite important. Yeah, yeah. As, as the key element, uh, but we we kind of have a mystery movie going on here to a certain extent because. We know there's these powers that be that are doing things. Like you said, Balthazar, we interact with with uh, the Archangel Gabriel at a certain point, uh, played wonderfully yeah. by Tilda Swinton. Um, yeah. So w- w- we get to meet these players, but we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has to do with Angela's mystery. Yeah. Her latent psychic abilities. Yeah. And the guilt that she feels over letting her sister kind of be the one who has to go to the insane asylum, even though she has the same abilities as her twin sister. They are twins. That is part of the psychic bond. Yeah, definitely. And we find out that the reason why Isabel, the one in the institution, is in the institution is because she's been getting whispered at by demons. And not not just any demon, the son of Lucifer, who is trying to be drawn forth to this world so that he can take it over. What yep. we and I, I'll just go full into it. What we come to find out is that is it's a it's a plan being drawn out not just by the forces of evil, but also, quote unquote, the forces of good. As Gabriel yep. is revealed to be one of the architects of the downfall of humanity by bringing about Memnon, the son of Lucifer. Yep, and it's it's cool, man. It's a cool movie, and the way the the elements kind of all come together, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think definitely that's that's one of the cool parts about it is that you don't really know what's going on, like who's behind everything or why. You can just always get this impending sense that like there's there's something coming and it's slowly getting each one of the people that's helping Constantine and he's trying to get to the bottom of it. And it isn't until the very end that you're just like, oh, OK, that's that's what's happening. <laughs> yep. Even after, you know, fighting Balthazar and then seeing that, oh, wait, he wasn't the guy planning all this. Because, you know, it was kind of like alluding that he had a lot to do with it, especially like on subsequent watches. You kind of see him in the background of all the scenes and, you know, you find his coin later on and all this shit. You know? Yeah, they were definitely setting him up to make it look like he was the one manipulating all the all the all the events and, and, and everything like that. So that yeah. when when uh, when when Constantine does do his uh, his little tattoo move. <laughs> yep <laughs> that roger knows so well <laughs> yeah i'm pretty familiar i've and, tried and, it a few times <laughs> yeah and, the, and, and gabriel is the one who's, who stands revealed before him uh it, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty interesting when again that's an element from the comic books that i that i've always thought was really fascinating and that would be that it's not just the devils that are dicks the the angels are dicks too <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah people uh it seems like the the supernatural forces don't really like people that much <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny too, it, uh, and I, that's a that's a through line you can see. Um, if anyone, I, I think you've even watched Supernatural up to a certain point, right? Yeah, the yeah, TV definitely. series. That that's I think that's clearly inspired by Hellblazer from the comic yeah, books. Definitely. You know, the 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 idea that the the forces of good are not necessarily all that good. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of seems like everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone has and agendas. Humans are the runts, you know. Yeah. You just get picked on. Yeah, everyone has <laughs> agendas. And in Gabriel's case, Gabriel seems just very upset with us that we've wasted the gift that God has bestowed upon us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So fascinating to uh, see that kind of brought into the plot of a movie, of a, of a comic mm. book movie, no less. <laughs> yeah, 
one of the one of the early ones actually. Yeah, yeah, two thousand again, two thousand five, kind of bef- right before on the on the edge of the big wave of of uh, particularly the Marvel films uh, that yeah. it used to be. But even uh, I think Batman Begins was filming around that time too. So I think that came out shortly after. I think you're right. Yeah, I think mm. two thousand six was Batman Begins. Yeah, so that was like right on the cusp of like everything blowing up because I feel like Batman Begins started you know that whole kind of realistic comic book vibe mm-hmm. and then you had like the marvel that just took it in like the other direction of just like making the comic books come to life you know so it was really cool Let, let's kind of talk about the characters a little bit because uh well yeah yeah let's talk about the characters we'll, we'll get into the, the lucifer stuff at uh, a little bit later on because uh, that, that's sure. kind of like the juicy stuff that, we, that oh, yeah. you know so like ooh, that that's right for the plucking um <laughs> i i really like this cast yeah, uh, Rachel Weisz as as Angela slash Isabel Dodson, uh, yeah, really good. And I think I, I I could be wrong, but I feel like this is like one of the last times she did this kind of movie. She started doing yeah. like very serious pieces after this. Sure, this was kind of like the the crossover into being serious, you know? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's, I mean, this is far enough removed from the Mummy, but the movie she makes nowadays are very far removed from the Mummy, which is yeah, kind of where, yeah. where I first remember seeing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Hanging out with the, with the beef rage, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that guy. But she's great. Uh, yeah, you have a uh, Damon Hinshu as as uh, Papa Midnight. Yes. Which I I still don't know to this day. Like, I, is that a character that was created for the movie or a character that was in the comic at one point? I know uh, they I, brought him into as, comic books eventually, but I don't know yeah. if he started there. You know, I, as far as I understood, uh, Chaz and Papa Midnight were the two characters that they brought from the comic into the movie. So I think. If they didn't establish, it might have just been like very recent that they established this character, but it was definitely pre-movie that they made him. Yeah, my, my not rec- by much. My, my recollection is is hazy at best, and if I was like, if Papa Midnight was there, he was he looked very different than the very cool, sure. very hip Damon Hinchu. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned Chaz. Yep. A, a, a very young Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say I was a fan of him back then either. You know. He didn't add a whole lot to the movie other than just comic relief here and there. I, I, that, and I feel like he had to be like the, uh, the sacrificial lamb at a certain, yeah. to a certain extent too. You yeah. Know, cause he, cause he wanted in the, in to this world of, of the supernatural into the end uh, of the occult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like Constantine tells him, it's not like what's in the books. <laughs> Yeah, it's not always how it is in the books. Yeah. Which, speaking of, Chaz in the comic books is very different than what's in the film. So, <laughs> there, there you <laughs> that, go. that might have been a direct reference for the comic book fans. <laughs> that could have. I think you're. You think you might be 100 percent right about that. I mean, that that yeah. that is a line that has multiple multiple levels of meaning to it. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that they threw that in. <laughs> uh, let me put a pin in this, in this real quick because I I did neglect to mention uh, as as. Per our requirements to be on this podcast, you have to have a beer. Yeah, it's necessary. Mandatory, even. What do you got today, bud? Today, I am doing the Never Better double IPA from Coronado. Uh, definitely had this one many times before, and it's a, always a strong choice. Coming in at 8.1%. Uh, Vic Secret, Mosaic, and Citra. You can't go wrong. Solid, solid beer. That is a solid beer, Roger. You are correct about that. I am having today the the new Pizza Port Beachwood collaboration. This is Beach oh, yes. Retreat, and it's all hopped up with. Uh, oh yeah, I saw you post that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a six pack at a lovely price. So I bought all six. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, this one's hopped up with Citrus Strata Idaho 7 and Mandarina. And this is 7.2% IPA, West Coast style. Very nice. It has that uh, that Pratt approved clarity that we all like so much. Oh, I can see you through the glass. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I was if I was cool like Constantine, I would hold this glass up and you'd see into hell or something cool like that. <laughs> half in, half out. Huh? Half in, half out. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought that was a weird terminology. Uh, that's probably one of the things I bumped up against a little bit in the movie is that that terminology yeah. that that uh that half breed thing that he calls the angels and the demons that walk the earth. Yeah, I thought that was a weird word. <laughs> yeah, you know it it implies that they are you know half and half right, and I I don't know like was uh, he definitely went into some explanation on it, but it still kind of came out as slightly unclear as to whether or not you know we just have angels and demons fornicating <laughs> or like what or what's going on with the humans you know right and um like 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 we said the the movie does establish its rules very early on and that is that uh, there is no direct interference on either side the the, the angels or the demons uh but there can yeah. be influence exerted and that's that's kind of what i guess these characters are doing on earth trying to sure. try you know it's a battle for souls is, is basically with uh, what the movie's trying to tell us and mm-hmm. you know uh, the, again it's like the literal uh or literal <laughs> it's it's like a literal version of the devil on your shoulder and the angel on your shoulder telling you the right and wrong things to do yeah yeah so it's, it's kind of like a manifestation of that i suppose if, if you want to get like really if you, if you really want to boil it down to like a simplistic uh, cartoon <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's it's explained in that way, but yeah, like we said, the whole concept of the half-breed within the universe is kind of difficult to explain because the whole thing about demons is that they can't cross into the human plane, right? So it's like you can't really have a demon that, you know, has a kid with a human. So how would you get a half-breed in, yeah. or in, is it, in the literal sense? Or, or is it some sort of possession deal and like Constantine could exercise them at any minute? You know, I, I, yeah. Again, it's good with its rules, but it's a little unclear on where exactly we are with with that. Sure, yeah, that's that's the only thing that is kind of not super well explained, but you kind of give it a pass because you're like, okay, I, I kind of get it. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> you, you see it, uh, you see it best displayed uh, on the scene where where the priest is is uh-huh. after uh, being in the morgue with Isabel's body. Yeah, uh, comes running out and he's he, he's hears he's hearing the voices which they they yes. establish early on is why he has a drinking problem to begin with. Uh, yeah, so he runs into the liquor store and uh, he's trying to get a drink so that he can silence the voices. Uh, yeah, but our our demon friend Balthazar is there and he's uh manipulating what he's seen, which is that despite opening the bottles and breaking open the bottles, he can't yeah. get a drink in in there. But what's actually yeah. happening is he's drowning himself. Sure. He just has no perception of it because Balthazar's messing with him. But then we find out that the store clerk apparently is an angel too, or is an yeah. angel, and just kind of lets it all happen. <laughs> it's like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. You know, I, I get the whole no direct influence, so I guess he couldn't really stop Balthazar in that regard. Right, or, but you know, is there like a yellow flag you can throw in the play? Like, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, <laughs> that's too much direct contact. Yeah, like maybe maybe he just didn't realize it was happening. Balthazar was just 
casually walking around. Well, yeah, I don't know I what mean, their he, presence of each other is. And and, and true. I mean, like you said, I mean, maybe maybe and maybe that was like a loophole because he's all he's doing is altering the priest's perception of what's sure. happening. He's not forcing him to to the drown drink. himself in alcohol. Uh, sure. But it's just kind of what's happening. So I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like Balthazar's clever little loophole to no direct interference. Sure. It's like, well, I'm just telling the guy he shouldn't drink, right? <laughs> I'm not really doing a bad thing. <laughs> that guy went through a lot of booze. That's all I know for sure. <laughs> yeah, that priest was a he was a mean dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it it and then we get into some more fun stuff where we talk about. Uh, uh, there's a, a devil's Bible and all kinds of cool stuff and how yeah. there's extra chapters in the devil's Bible compared to the Bible that is on earth. And yeah. I, I kind of like that, that whole thing with uh, when they're talking about like, uh, what was it? The book of Corinthians, I think. Yeah. And there's, yeah, like, yeah. there's only 17 chapters in the book of Corinthians. And he's like, in the devil's version, there's 22. <laughs> That's such a good line. I, I love that concept too. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of fun and it, it kind of lets you uh, get into like bonus mythology <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's like, cool. We'll play by the rules of the Bible, but like now we got these extra verses that can be whatever we want them to be. That's going to help our plot line, which yeah, which we find out is is the whole Memnon thing and and yeah. what what Memnon needs to bring himself from hell onto Earth, which is a powerful psychic and the Spear of Destiny, basically the the instrument that killed or something with the blood of Jesus. I think was the terminology they used in the film. Yeah, so yeah, th- that's the, that's what the spear is for because it has the stains of Jesus's blood on it. Yeah, there you go. So there's our plot. We finally kind of got it. <laughs> <laughs> we we made the full circle. Well, like I said, I, I like I like, I do like the way that the movie plays out a bit like a like a like a like a mystery where we don't know everything offhand, and you know maybe that's part of the of the of the storyline with the spear is that it's a little bit of a misdirect, uh-huh. because we think it's going to be a bigger factor than it is, or we think that that's going to be the object of pursuit that our character our heroes must chase after. Yeah, but it's not. I think it's just. A, I think it's just kind of like a clever distraction. Yeah, it's almost like a, a red herring MacGuffin, if you will. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of sense, <laughs> I think I think it's there to throw us off the trail that uh, that Gabriel is in on this as well. You know, because we're, we're looking at Balthazar and we're looking at the what was his name, Manuel. Yeah, Manuel's the guy. Yeah, Manuel, with Manuel the with the spear. Like these are the things that we're flashing to more often than not. Um, and I think they I think they serve their purpose to distract us from. Kind of yeah. like the, the the crux of things, and then we're also throwing in some cool uh, bug demons and all kinds of fun stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think they did a great job in trying to misdirect in that regard to the point where you know, first watch through, you would never expect it to be Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, that was really cool twist when that happened. You know, I remember I remember seeing in the, in the theaters and, and thinking the same thing that when you know when, when John cast the you know uh, into the lights uh, spell. And, and uh-huh. draws her out, and she comes down, kind of like with her foot on his chest. I was like, "Oh, yeah. that was pretty badass reveal." Yeah, yeah, I really like that. <laughs> uh, with with regards to, oh, what's the best way to put it? <laughs> hmm. Oh, I'm. I, <laughs> I, I think I got a little off track here, but I did wanted to say I. Uh, yeah, we, we we talked about Shia a little bit, but I just wanted to emphasize: don't care for him in this movie. <laughs> don't care for him. <laughs> no, not a fan. No, no, and this this is in that that point of his career, and I really didn't like him. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he was still kind of just. It was really early. It was pre Transformers that came 
little later, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't dislike him in the movie. I think I've grown to like him more now. But he definitely was meant to just play, like, the annoying little D-bag for most of the flick (laughs) until the very end where he kind of gets his redemption arc very quickly. And, uh, like he said, becomes a sacrificial lamb for the story. Yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and go to the post-credit scene. In, in yeah. the movie, since we're, since we're talking about Chaz and we're talking about uh, about Shia, yeah. Uh, in case anyone doesn't know, Constantine has a post credit scene. Oh yeah, I, I, easy to miss. Yeah, easy easy to miss, and uh, you know that was not something that audiences were, tra- were trained to expect at, at in two thousand five. It was just kind of out, out there. If, yeah, this was pre Marvel stingers, so yeah, nobody knew to stingers. stay after the credits. Yeah, I mean uh, maybe a handful of movies at this point had had done you know a post credits thing, and most of the time they were just kind of. Yeah, they're just kind of like goofs and stuff like that, you know. Nothing, nothing necessarily germane to the plot. Sure. But I was curious your interpretation of it because uh, the scene in, in question is Constantine going to Chaz's uh, uh, tombstone. Yeah. Laying his uh, lighter to rest on it and uh, mm-hmm. telling him that he did good, kid. <laughs> uh, and then we see Chaz as an angel on top of yeah. the tombstone, and then takes off into flight. Yep. How did you process that? You know, it was it was interesting because it's like, does it imply then? Yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having about the whole half breed thing, mm-hmm. where we don't really know if they're actual half breeds or if there's just angels that some of them are allowed to kind of influence people. Um, because he definitely had the look of one that did, and it's like, okay, well, he wouldn't become a half breed if he was already a human, right? But maybe just becoming a an angel after doing, you know, doing God's work kind of is, uh, gives you that ability to come back to earth and kind of influence. I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to say, but I don't know where it kind of stood in the story. It was cool to see, but I didn't really understand why it happened, I guess. Yeah. I think I was in pretty much the same boat. I, I was, I, I questioned, uh, did he die and become an angel or are we supposed to, think that he was an angel the entire time and he was trying to uh, be the one to influence John onto the right path. How interesting. I didn't take that approach, but that well, I might think be it, the case. Well, I think it's wrong. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> I was like, well, if that's the case, then he was kind of a shitty angel on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Because John ignored yeah. him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be true, I guess. But, you know, I mean, maybe that was the point. I, you know, I don't know. Uh but if he if he was a half breed, I would have, I would have thought that maybe he was a bit more durable than uh, than than uh, Chaz proved to be when Memnon was throwing him around. Yeah, or he just died fake. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's vague and kind of annoying <laughs> that we don't know. Yeah, a little bit. So as far as the stinger scenes go, I kind of found it to be like kind of lackluster, and I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's funny because actually the scene. Um... I don't know if you wanted to talk at all about the deleted scenes, but uh, they actually had a different deleted scene where he came back, but he was on that rooftop where, you know, I think it was uh, him and Angela were on the rooftop and that they kind of did something similar there. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you brought that up because uh, somewhere in, in this uh, crazy place that I live, uh, I have the Constantine DVD somewhere with like all the special features and deleted scenes yeah. and stuff like that, uh, but I couldn't I couldn't find it fast enough for this podcast, so I had to get it through Amazon, which yeah. did not have any special features on it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So I yeah, 
You know what? Now that you're saying that, though, maybe that's where I saw those uh, scenes that implied that uh, 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 Gavin Rosdale, uh, Balthazar, was some kind of a con- congressman or senator or something like that. Does that ring a bell for you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know 100% on the deleted scenes. I know I've definitely watched a few here and there. I don't know that I've ever, like, sat down and watched, like, a DVD version of the deleted scenes. So it's possible that it was there, but it, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. Well, uh, on a quick sidebar, uh, I really am annoyed that uh, when you buy a DVD or when you buy a digital copy of a movie off of Amazon or wherever you buy it from, that doesn't come with all those features on there necessarily. You just get whatever version they have available. Yeah, yeah, I've I've learned that the hard way a couple times. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 a bummer. I mean, obviously there are the versions you can buy that do come with special features, but you know, Constantine's a movie that's fifteen years old. That version sure. is is you know they just have the theatrical version and that's the version you're going to get yeah yeah but yeah there's so many so many good deleted scenes from that that you're just like oh wow they they went this way but i could have seen how they did it this way yeah and and again to to continue on this this sidebar (laughs) for (laughs) this is the reason why i have so many dvds i can't get bring myself to get rid of is because i was like i want all those cool special features that were on that dvd like the the fight club dvd is awesome with special features Mm -hmm. you know uh, uh oh yeah and there's a, a, a ton more. And again, I alluded to the Constantine DVD has a ton of cool stuff on there too, like little uh, behind the scenes featurettes and, and obviously the deleted scenes. Oh. And I'm sure there's a fun gag reel. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this question because this was pretty divergent from the comic books in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. But made it made it, but I, I felt it was a very Hollywood touch for the for mm-hmm. the for the movie. But the the sort of. Uh, weaponizing of, <laughs> of of magic for lack of a better word uh, sure so that john constantine could have like a gun yeah <laughs> well you know they made a video game based off it so i don't i don't think i ever played it but it was essentially just him running around with the gun i think <laughs> it might have just been for that purpose yeah, I, I, it was one. It was another element of the film that i wasn't crazy about it mm. sort of worked uh, in the movie's mythology yeah, um, but and Constantine's never been a man of action in that sense. But obviously, no. you have Keanu Reeves. He's coming off the Matrix, <laughs> and you're doing a Hollywood movie that you hope is a blockbuster and will spawn sequel after sequel after sequel. Yeah, I guess you're gonna give your exorcist a guy a, a gun, an exorcism <laughs> gun with a giant cross on it that shoots uh, yeah. holy bullets or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was a cool touch in my opinion. I was a fan of it just because it lent itself to that kind of action scene towards the end where he's just laying out all the demons and stuff. And you kind of get glimpses of the gun throughout the movie. Like you'll see like the big, you know, the giant magazine of (laughs) just where they would end up putting the shotgun shells. Right. Right. And, uh, and just like pieces of it. And then you see like, you know, after Beeman dies, he goes in there and he just starts putting something together and you're just like, what is he doing? But like up to that point, even you would just see these little bits of the gun here and there that would eventually become the gun. So I thought it was a cool touch just for the approach they were going. It kind of gave it that cool action movie aspect. Um, To be honest, I didn't, you know, when I first saw it, I didn't think it was going to happen because I just thought the whole aspect of him sprinkling them with holy water would have been enough. Right. Mm -hmm. But apparently that was just kind of like to weaken their outer shell kind of thing. (laughs) <laughs> so it was interesting, but you know, I, I, I could see it going either way. I was a fan just cause you know, 
it's fun action, you know. I don't care, but <laughs> well, it, okay. So it, it does lend me lead, lead me to, uh, <laughs> and this is gonna be a weird comparison. All right. Okay. Now I know this movie comes after Constantine, but rewatching Constantine, I'm looking at, at this gun. And I'm like, I wonder if this that if this gun inspired this movie, but it kind of sort of reminds me of the uh, the. Oh, what am I? Uh, the the steak gun from Van Helsing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it had to have inspired. I, I, I was like, oh man, I wonder if it has like the same prop designer on both of these movies. <laughs> Just the holy guns, man. They're sick. And then another scene that reminded me of a, of a movie that came prior, and I wanted to know your thoughts because I know this is a, mo- a film that you enjoy. But yeah. we, we're, we're in the third act. Constantine's at the hospital. There's all these demons around waiting for the arrival of Memnon in the next room, yeah. the birthing of the son of Satan onto yep. the mortal plane. And there's all these demons gathering around, just kind of hanging out because, <laughs> you know, reasons. That's what demons do. Yeah. will speak and all that. So we get Constantine, comes into the room, does his hi, my name is John line, which I thought was pretty cool. I did think hi. it was pretty cool. Uh, meanwhile, Chaz is is, is uh, turning the, the water system into holy water. Yeah. And John uses it. John basically just turns on the sprinklers. Yep. And, of course, some demons, they start getting a little steamy, a little melty in the holy water bath. And they start charging him. And John starts blown away with his holy shotgun. Yep. I couldn't help but think of Blade. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely uh, definitely that kind of vibe, just you know, with the lights and yeah. everything. Uh, all all we needed was a, yeah, action, all we needed yeah. was like a little DJ with lights on the side of his head and doing the bloodbath sign. Yeah, <laughs> we just need a rave going on in the back. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, wait, are they trying to go for like a blade thing here? Is that what's happening? Maybe, maybe that was the approach they were taking. Because I, I mean, up, up to that point, that would have been the only other comic book uh, close to demon hunting kind of reference that you'd have. Yeah, and uh, the Constantine soundtrack, you know, while not quite as uh, as 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 uh, hip hop based as the Blade soundtrack was, uh, had uh-huh. that kind of, that kind of in, those heavy industrial beats back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was very much like it's kind of like a very prodigy um, Gravity Kills kind of motif going on with the, that with that soundtrack. Oh yeah, sure. I gotta <laughs> go back and listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong, it's a fun scene, but I just, I just kind of I, the way it was shot kind of just kind of reminded me. Of, of of when Wesley Snipes is just blowing away vampires with his shotgun that just, sure, just yeah. it was just spraying silver everywhere. <laughs> so I was also just was, great scene. And, and again, it's Hollywood. One thing inspires the other, inspires the other, inspires the other. I, I get it. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, uh, call them out for a lack of creative uh, creativity. I just sure. wonder if maybe the director or Keanu or somebody was like, "Hey, remember that scene in Blade? That was pretty cool. Why don't we do something like that in our movie?" <laughs> you know, I wouldn't put it past them. It's definitely a definitely a good movie to pull from. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. So I, w- I want to get to uh, the the big thing I want to talk about. One of my favorite parts of the film is the arrival of Peter Stormare <laughs> as Lucifer. Oh yes. And his the crazy weird accent that he's using, <laughs> and his conversation with with Constantine. So uh, if you're if you're following along at home, Constantine, in order to save Angela. From from being killed by Gabriel, who was about to bring forth Memnon, uh, who was trying to like burst out of her body. And yeah. Gabriel's going to use the spear to cut him out and basically bring about hell on earth. Uh, yep. In order to stop this, because he knows he can't defeat Gabriel. Gabriel, the all-powerful archangel that uh, he, she is. Yeah. Uh, so he slits his wrist because he knows who's going to come and get him. And that would be Lucifer. 
And I thought that was a, a cool thing that really paid off is that I think brought up twice where, you know, they said, you know, uh, Lucifer is like, your, your soul is the only soul that Lucifer himself would come up to collect. And just that payoff at the very end was just super cool. That's like, oh, that's why they kept saying it, you know? Yeah, and it, it, it's a fun uh, dialogue between the two of them. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, Peter Stormare just sitting there with kind of like this like unrestrained glee as he's watching yeah. Constantine bleed out from the, the, the self-inflicted <laughs> wrist wounds, not quite yeah. comprehending what's going on, though kind of sort of in the back of his mind, starting to figure out that, the, all right, he only did this for one reason, but what is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's sort of like to, to kind of, again, the, the, the wordplay between the two is fun because it starts off with Lucifer very much rubbing it in John's face that he's here and he's dying and he's going to hell. And, yeah. and Lucifer is going to soak up these last moments of John's life uh, before it's just eternal torment for, for John Constantine. Yeah. And then the sort of the slow reveal that uh, let Lucifer has no idea what's going on in hell as, yeah. <laughs> as his son is about to be birthed on the mortal plane in the next room behind him. And yeah. then sort of the slow realization that, like, I don't like that plan at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, and Stormare does so much with uh, just uh, the look. Yeah. <laughs> when he turns to go into the room and the look <laughs> as he walks through the shattered glass that's just yeah. all around him. <laughs> just yeah. kind of it says every feeling that you could feel like when you're like, <laughs> fuck all of you. <laughs> <laughs> very much yeah that was great i love that scene and you get a, a really cool scene where like the you, you see how time is starting to resume because yeah. satan froze those final moments of constantine he slowed time down so he could just soak it all up yeah but you start seeing the spear coming down towards angela and lucifer slipping his arms under her body and pulling her away in like a very yeah. Uh, uh, an, almost in an, 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 an almost in an angelic way that kind of would like, mirror uh, Gabriel's motion. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a really nice touch to kind of show that, like, yes, he may be the fallen, you know, the, the morning star, the fallen son of, of God and stuff like that, yeah. but he still has like a little bit of angel in him because he just like sweeps her in. Yeah, and saves her. Yeah. Yeah, and then one one of my favorite things that 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 uh, Francis Lawrence does in his direction here is mm-hmm. the interplay with the reflections. Yeah. The way that, you know, you see Lucifer holding Angela, but you see the reflection and it's Memnon in, in his arms. Yeah. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then the great taunting between Gabriel and, and, and Lucifer. And she goes to smite Lucifer and then finds out she doesn't have her god powers no more. <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, just this quip there. It's like, oh, it looks like someone doesn't have your back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. The way he delivers the lines is just mwah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. He did so much in just those few minutes that he was in the movie that I just, I love his character. Just, it was amazing. Uh, uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, I remember, I remember in the theaters uh, as he sort of descends down, like with the, with the, the kind of like the, the tar, ink, they, the the, tar, whatever yeah. it is, like the, I don't know, brimstone, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Hell stink. Who knows? Sure. But the way he kind of comes down again, like Gabriel did initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I see that it's him, I was like, oh my God, yeah. that's like, that's like fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah. It was great casting for it. Yeah. That guy was awesome. <laughs> more, yeah. more of him, please. Yeah, for sure. So we get the whole thing. Lucifer sends Memnon back to hell and he's, Angela's basically saved because he just 
completely removes his son's essence from her body. Yeah. And this just kind of like casually throws her to the side. Yeah. And like, all right, we're good. <laughs> then, uh, then Gabriel's blown away to hell or to heaven to be punished. I couldn't, I think it's to heaven to be punished. Right. Well, I mean, she doesn't, uh, she, he doesn't die though. No, but just the, the essence. Yeah. The, the angelic essence. Yes. Just gets blown away. Exactly. Her divinity is, is yeah, basically, basically removed and she's turned into a mortal. We, we don't yep. get to that part yet because Lucifer still thinks he has the upper hand on Constantine. <laughs> but Constantine makes one dying request, and that's to save Isabella's soul from yeah. hell and to send her to heaven. So when Lucifer begins to drag him away to hell, and you just see his body getting heavier and sinking into the ground. Yeah. Again, another oh, great effect. Yes, another excellent visual. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And then the realization on Lucifer's face when he's like, "You motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I forget exactly what he said. The the, the saving of the, of her soul or whatever. He it, it kind of dawns on him that the sacrifice yeah. of his soul for hers has gotten him the attention of of, of heaven and, and God himself apparently or herself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I think one of the cool parts of that scene is the fact that Lucifer basically rewards Constantine in a way for helping him out. Yes. You know, it, it's it very much shows that like you know, trader dealer kind of aspect of Lucifer that you're like, where he literally asks him, all right, so what do you want? You want an extension? You yes. know, like, like thinking that, you know, his, he's doing this to trying to get an extension on his life. And Lucifer is like, sure, you know, whatever you, you get a reward, you know, kind of out of this sense of duty that, that has never left him. Like you said, you know, though he's the fallen angel, he still has this uh, almost sense of duty about him, you know? So just that regard where like he, he grants some one last request because he did something for Lucifer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it was, it was really cool to see how that transpired. And then the whole twist of him just getting heavier was just the, the icing on the cake. You yeah. Know? It was a great scene. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and again, like I, I love that look that Stormare has when he just, when he, when it, when it clicks, <laughs> what Constantine actually did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then of course, Constantine's ascending to heaven and, uh, the devil's not going to take that lying down. So he's not with, uh, being flipped off and all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's Constantine. So of course he's going to flip it, flip off the devil. Cause he just, he just <laughs> basically conned his way into heaven. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Which again, it was, it's pretty much the closest we get to like the common aspect of Constantine. So I'll take it. Sure. Yeah, very much. Yeah. But then the real con comes when I, when I think he gets exactly what he wants out of the devil, which is, Curing him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the devil's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to heaven. You're going to live a really, really long time. Yeah. <laughs> just sucks it all out of him. Just jams his hands into his, like, his, his, into his lungs, basically, and yeah. pulls out all, all, all the, the cancerous cancer. <laughs> uh, material in his lungs. And uh, it was pretty awesome visually to look at. Yeah, I just, I, I loved it because it was just like, yeah, I'm going to help you in the most painful way possible. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's one thing I, I wanted to ask you too. Is that your takeaway from that scene that, that Constantine wanted the devil to actually save him or that you think he was a-okay just going to heaven and being done with it all? You know, I don't know. I I don't know that he even knew in that sense that, you know, sacrificing his soul for Isabel's was going was to get him to heaven. Yeah. Because I mean, I'd th- like to think that it was just his one final good deed. Yeah. But, um, well, I mean, you and, know, it, again, and that's something that's talked about throughout the movie is like, has John done enough to count to, to outweigh his attempted suicide when he was a boy, when he was, when he was a yeah. teenager. And, and so he's always been trying to, 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 to balance those scales. And 
you know, like you said, was this the one act that did, or was this the 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 only act that mattered because it was sure. so important? It was the you know, it was for his immortal soul, basically. Yeah, and, you know, and Gabriel actually makes reference to it earlier in the movie when she says, you know, when he literally asks, I think something along the lines of like, "What more do I have to do?" and she says something like, you know, oh, you know, like self sacrifice or you know something like that, something along those lines. But, um, you yes, know, that, that yes. reference is then brought to that point where he yep. does do the self-sacrifice and whether or not he did it intentionally with that thought in mind or, you know, I, I'd like to think that it was his last good gesture as this version of Constantine. I would have said that the comic book version of Constantine definitely more along the lines of, oh, yeah, he had this all in plan. You know, it was all that out that was exactly mind. what I was going to say. I mean, because that, that's pretty much how the Dangerous Habits story plays out is that. He, yeah. he manipulates everyone to get what he wants, to save, save the day and win, but to also go on living himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then the real the realization when that when when he's gotten everything that he wants, and the, the, you know the, everyone looks at themselves like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the moments in, why, why that comic book is is so goddamn good, and and so uh, to me is an important piece of comic book reading to do. So and yeah, sure. they do a, a, a mini version of it in the film. Uh, I, I think I think to a satisfactory level because again, mm-hmm. I think I think Stormare's performance as Lucifer is so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know. I I, I kind of sort of. I kind of sort of think I, I sort of kind of sort of thought he was okay with going to heaven and just being done with it all. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think he's mad about living either. <laughs> yeah, I, I think either way he he was okay with whatever outcome in that situation. I think he was kind of just like, you know what? I can't do anything, and I'm not going to let hell on earth happen. So he was just kind of like, either he was just okay with going to hell and dealing with it that way, or he kind of understood that either the devil was going to help him or he was going to happen. Yeah, I, de- I, de- I definitely think... Which, either way, we're him, I guess. I, I definitely think that uh, uh, sticking it to Lucifer would have been an okay way for him to go out and be happy about it. <laughs> Oh yeah, he definitely would have been okay with that. Now the I, I, the big difference between uh, the the Dangerous Habits comic book and the uh, movie endings yeah. is that uh, you know we get the scene with with John on the rooftop after he says goodbye to Angela, and mm-hmm. he he pops a piece of gum in his mouth. Comic book Constantine, nope. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Straight back to the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's kind of a, a big distinction of, you know, the actual John Constantine from the comics versus the movie version is that the movie version actually gets a redemption. He, he becomes a better person by the end of the movie. Yeah. And he's done his part, you know, but the real John Constantine never gets that. His, yeah. the, the purpose of that character is to never get that, you know, uh, much in the same way that Batman can never truly find happiness. Otherwise, it's no longer longer Batman, you know? Yeah. It's, it's and, along those lines. And, and I don't think that they, they couldn't end the, end, end the film in the same way they end the comic book because uh, it ends a little bit differently in, in regards to um, the deal that, that Constantine has in place with the, with the devils at the, at the end of that comic book story. Sure. Like you said, you know, you can't see Batman get the happy ending and, and kind of like rewinding to what we talked about when, when we, when we talked about the old guard film. Yeah. You know, Andy had to become mortal so that there were stakes all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. you have to keep Constantine having stakes, <laughs> mm-hmm. so he has to care about being alive again. Yeah, exactly. Which is why you you have your Nicorette gum or whatever the hell it was. 
<laughs> yeah, which would have led well into a, a second movie, but you know. It would have been pretty good if he just he like rolled up his uh, sleeve and just saw like you know just saw like a ton of nicotine patches on his arm, <laughs> like fourteen Covering of up them. His tattoos. <laughs> yeah, so he puts those together and they get nicotine powers. <laughs> All the power of a cigarette without the cancer. <laughs> uh, leading back to that that line that Lucifer gives, <laughs> he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I got stock." <laughs> In reference to the cigarettes. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Um, let me back up again because I, I, I didn't get, I, for some reason I forgot to mention this at the beginning, you know, when we were talking about the way Francis Lawrence establishes the visual tone of the film with, with the, uh, with the spear and the car crashing into Manuel. Yeah. I love the opening exorcism. Yeah. Yeah. The way they do that with Constantine putting the cigarette down while it's kind of like burning down and you're kind of seeing things in, in a sort of real time. Yep. And then the use of the mirror and everything like that. Really, I thought that was a really cool exorcism scene, and I think that was again a really good way to establish the tone of your film, the tone mm-hmm. of your character. Uh, because I, by this point, I think by two thousand five, most of us had seen an exorcism movie at some point. Sure, yeah, <laughs> either the movie or some version of it by then. <laughs> but the way that the the way that the burning cigarette was in, incorporated on the, on like the nightstand there, I thought that was really slick. Yeah, just just the way that by the time he's all through, he kind of like looks at it. He's like, "Ah, oh, damn, I'm all out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he thought he's gonna be done in a few minutes. Like, oh, piece of cake. Yeah. But it got it yeah. got a lot more serious when he found out what kind of demon it was. Yep. <laughs> um. So that that's basically the movie, right? Is there, yeah, I think we hit it mostly. Yeah, most everything. You know. Is there anything else within the confines of the feature we should talk about? You can you can think of. Uh. I'm trying to think. I mean, we, we even spoke a little bit on deleted scenes. Uh, but yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot that they took out that I felt would have made the movie better. Uh, one thing that I that I did notice that they took out was uh, it was actually the actress, and she she's actually still in the movie. The, she's the demon. I can't remember the actress's name. But she's the one that says, when they're first getting sprayed with the holy water sprinkler, she's the one that says holy water. And then, you know, th- there was actually a whole different arc with her where right after john found out that he had cancer he ended up sleeping with her so (laughs) she was like kind of like a secondary love interest in a sense and she actually shows up later at papa midnight's club to kind of like just just harass him even more because after that he's trying to ask her if she knows of any way to get rid of the cancer you know okay and and it was funny because that's one thing that they took out about his character that, you know, as we know, John Constantine is, is basically all sexual. Like, he, he will do anything. <laughs> Man, woman, demon, doesn't matter. He's, he's getting it. So that's, that's a part of the character that, like, you know, he's very flirty, very sexual. But you don't see that very much in this movie. There's, a, there's kind of a small gesture when he's about to have, you know, Angela go into the tub. Or right, she's asking right. if, if she needs to take off her clothes. And, you know, it, it's a funny little thing, but he still comes across as good-natured. Yeah. Kind of like just poking fun and being flirty in a sense. You know, that's but a, you, never, you never get that aspect, you know? I think that's a really good point. There's, there, there's kind of a, a, like a sexual tension there, but there's never like the, the trope of like hooking up with the girl you're trying to save kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and to that point, I, I do think it's really important uh, to mention that uh, I thought this, this 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 film in particular had a really strong uh, female character in there who like yeah she was working with Constantine and Constantine was there to help her and her sister but like 
Yeah. She wasn't just like a, a plot device. Like she had agency in the story. She was central to the plot and she yeah. could take care of herself in, in a pretty good way. Yeah, definitely. And I thought that was a, a really strong thing. I mean, that wasn't something you saw a lot of in 2005. No. Uh, but Rachel Weisz brought a, brought a, brought a, a, a really great feel to that character uh, that I think helped her be, helped that character be something uh, more than the shallow character that it probably could have been. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that was definitely one of the coolest parts about it is her character never felt weak. She just felt like she was out of her element, you yeah. know, and uh, and just she she was such a, a strong character willing to do these things that she thought was crazy, but kind of being open minded and just seeing things for how they were just to get to this final goal, you know. And I think that's that's something cool that like even Constantine came to respect in the movie, you know, especially when he's talking to Papa Midnight before he, he does the chair thing or he, he, he asks him, you know, this isn't about a girl, right? He's like, right. It's definitely mostly not about the girl. Right. Exactly. No, I agree <laughs> with you. One of my favorite lines, but yeah, it, it really, really strikes that, that uh, chord to how strong a character she was and how she didn't put up with crap and held her own despite the odds, you know? And it was it was really cool to see how those two characters work together. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100. percent I did I just wanted to point that out because, like I said, she's it, it, I just wanted to point out she's not like a damsel in distress. I mean, not she at does, all. She I mean, she's become in distress, yeah. but that's because <laughs> there's a demon trying to rip her way out of his, her abdomen. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give that to anyone. You know? <laughs> you yeah, pass if you got a demon in you. Well, I mean, and she let's let's be honest. She she did get ferried away by by a flying monster to be dropped into the pool. I mean, she was doing fine before that. Yeah, yeah. You got to have that necklace, man. It's a protector. She left in the car. Can't do that. Yeah. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Okay, we didn't get too much into. I mean, we talked a little bit about about the differences in the character, but like, were were you okay with like? Again, it's your it's your first take, so you probably didn't have a problem with the black trench coat. Versus the brown trench coat and that whole thing. I mean, I thought it was cool at the time. I mean, it's you know coming off the Matrix, black coat works with Keanu. Yeah, I, th- I also thought it, I also thought it was like very LA two thousand five. So it, you oh, know, it was fine for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the rumors are out there that a discussion had been had, at least one, yeah. maybe 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 more than one, yeah. of Keanu and Francis Lawrence going back and doing another Constantine. Yeah. Would you be excited? What would you hope the movie would be? Oh, man, I, I would definitely be excited to see that. I, I'd love to see like a, a slightly older Constantine maybe having had dealt with, you know, numerous other demons in just this new situation. Uh, I definitely watched the uh, the 15th anniversary interview that they had mm-hmm. with the director, producer and uh, and Keanu. And uh, they actually they brought up that they they had a lot of ideas for what the second movie would have been. And uh, one of the things that they talked about that I thought was really cool <laughs> is this off-the-cuff idea that they had is that, that the movie would open up, like, in this interrogation room and somebody's just sitting there interrogating a guy, like, just going real in on him. And the camera, like, just slowly pans around and the guy in the chair is Jesus. <laughs> so it just, I have no idea where they would have gone with that. But it just seemed so crazy out there that I was like, oh, man, I would have loved to see whatever this was. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Uh, the movie seems. I think they talk about this at the panel too. Uh, the movie does seem to have developed like a bit of a cult status to itself. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it, it's hard to say sometimes when they do these sequels that are so far removed from the the original release. Uh, but 
I mean, a Keanu is is hotter than hot right now. Oh yeah. So so why not get in on that action? Sure. And comic movies are hotter than hot right now. It seems like a recipe for success. Yeah, I, I think it'd be an instant win. I, I don't think there's any way you could spin it that people wouldn't go out to see it. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Um, you know, I, and, and obviously on this podcast, we will we will keep you posted on any developments with Constantine too, because yeah, I mean we've we've <laughs> I, we've been talking about Constantine basically since this show started. We're, we're fans of the character for sure. Yeah. So we, we 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 would love to see a, a second Constantine movie again. Like I said, I have my little nerdy comic book qualms with with, with this portrayal of Constantine, but like Roger, I can keep this Constantine separate from my other Constantines. It's fine. Sure. I, yeah. <laughs> we got a whole multiverse out there. We're I'm fine. yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a big person. I can I can you know I don't I don't have to have everything the same. <laughs> you know I don't I don't need my Constantine homogenized. We're fine. Sure. You know, I can Give still, us all the interpretations. Yeah, I can have my Keanu Constantine. I can have, have my Matt Ryan Constantine, and we can all oh, get yeah. along just fine. <laughs> oh yes, I am down with that thought. Now, for anyone out there, if you have not had a chance to check it out, I would also like to take a minute to recommend because it is now re- easily available to watch oh, the man. the Matt Ryan Constantine series that was on NBC for a year. Oh yeah, great show. I love. Yeah, gr- really great show. Only a, only a couple episodes that were meh. But really yeah. strong, and, and one of the shows that I think we, I think we even uh, maybe hinted at it last week when we talked about great shows that were canceled too soon. Uh, Definitely the, one of them. The yeah. Constantine series was going to be on there because uh, that show ends with a doozy of a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so check that out. I, I really, uh, and I know Roger does too, we, uh, we both enjoy Matt Ryan's take on, on John Constantine, despite yeah. uh, his buffoonery on Legends of, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's not. It's not Matt's fault. It's not Matt's fault. <laughs> no, not at all. He, he's doing the best with what he's got. <laughs> yeah, and uh, from what I can tell, it's not much. I... <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. That show was doing so good too. I don't know what happened. It was. It was. It was. So I guess that's gonna wrap up our uh, Constantine talk. Unless you can think of anything else from the film you want to talk about. Uh, no, I, I think we picked up on all the major points. Uh, we talked about everything. Yeah, I mean, I like to talk about it's it's a visually striking <laughs> film. Like I said, you know, we 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 both agree that the the, the portrayal of the hellscape is incredible. Yeah, uh, lots of great set pieces. The the exorcisms look good. Uh, yeah. John going to hell and the like the smoke rising off his body when he comes back. Yeah, uh, and he, and even the scene that you alluded to earlier when when uh, when he's going to help uh, Angela get in touch with her psychic powers again by drowning her oh. in a bathtub. Yeah. That's a great scene too, where like the water shoots out of the tub, and then the tub just kind of explodes around yeah, them. Yeah, just shatters sideways. It was great. Yeah, like really, really cool visual stuff. If you're a fan of of, of really impressive uh, uh, visual effects and, and and striking visuals, yeah. I, I, the the film will, will satisfy on that level alone. Uh, but the cherry on top, to me, Peter Stormare and Tilda Swinton as Gabriel and Lucifer, just oh yeah, so good. So yeah. good, so good watching them. And uh, you know what? That's what we didn't talk about. We, we we talked about how Gabriel becomes human at the end of the movie, and she yeah. wants she wa- he she wants uh, John to kill kill him her. Yeah. With the <laughs> holy shotgun or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and instead, and again, this is another great of just another moment of just great acting. And, and Tilda Swinton is a great actress a- yeah. actor. Um, the punch. That Constantine <laughs> delivers to Gabriel, and yeah. the look on Gabriel's face, for, as, as 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 pain is experienced for the first time. 
Yeah, that was great. It's really <laughs> great. The way Tillis one just kind of holds. And it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that like realization of pain. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Yeah, and then the whole like, <laughs> you know, that's pain. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is the line we all need to live by. <laughs> but then her kind of her kind of kind of trying to sort of take credit for Constantine walking the righteous path. All of a sudden, though, it's it pretty funny too. <laughs> that was good. Good finisher. I was like, the, there's nothing worse than a, than a holier than thou motherfucker trying to take credit for your good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, man. I think. I think that's a good fucking podcast right there, Raj. I think we covered a lot of bases on, on 2005's Constantine. Yeah, I think we did it justice. We did. <laughs> we just, you know, if if, uh, if only Keanu would have answered my calls. Yeah, well, you know, he, he's a busy guy these days. Now I, he's working on part two. Well, I think, he, I think the number I had was for a post office exchange near his house, but that was about it. <laughs> Close enough. Actually, from what I understand, uh, Keanu is probably in Europe filming Matrix, I think, so... Oh, possibly. Yeah, I think I think Matrix Four is back filming. Uh, a lot of a lot of overseas productions have resumed. Got it. And I think he's doing Matrix Four right now in Francais. <laughs> nice. Which, uh, speaking of shows that just started production, Witcher season two with our boy Henry Cavill. Get ready. Yes. Yep. Excited. <laughs> Throw a coin to your Witcher, folks. Get ready. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna wrap it up here because uh, I I don't want to go down the the Witcher rabbit hole. That'll that'll be a whole other podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, thank you for joining me for this discussion. I know this is one of your favorite films, and I was happy we were able to get into it. I I, I can see the tattoo now, looking good, looking good. Oh yes, into the light I command thee. And we're you doing com- it. you command thee, and then we'll we'll cast out demons later on another podcast. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. I will talk to you in the very near future. But thanks again for doing this. And uh, people out there, if you want to follow Jedi Raj on the internet, it's at Jedi Raj on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. He just, just posted my tats. His tats and his new Gundam. Oh, yeah. That was today. That was today. <laughs> <laughs> it is completed. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So check him out. Roger, thanks again, buddy. I will talk to you soon. All right. See you later, man. Be the hand of God. It's your choice. It's always been your choice. folks so there you have it there is the constantine episode the 2005 constantine movie with roger smith doing our doing our fanboy appreciation for the episode uh i think we had a good time it was fun to talk about a movie that uh uh i know for me obviously for roger it sounds like it was something that he uh was a fan on of from very early on from his first experience with it and uh for me it was it was um a surprising experience watching that movie and, and uh, liking it as much as I did considering some of the stark contrasts with the comic book version of Constantine and, and, and that character. But like we said in the podcast, you know, I just got to a place where, 
you know, the movie version was going to be this, and I still had the comic book over here. It's not like they, they changed Constantine to look like Keanu or anything like that. So, I, I you know, it was, it was a bit of a situation where I eventually I realized I could have my cake and eat it too. And I think that's why that movie has grown with me over the years. My appreciation for it has grown. And, I, again, a really solid film. I think it's plotted pretty darn well, considering that we're dealing with occult supernatural things and religious religious iconogra- iconography, which is not always everyone's favorite cup of tea. Um, but a solid picture, a solid performances all around from everybody in it. So if you're already a fan of this movie, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast and our discussion of it. Uh, but as we said, too, there's a lot of Constantine material out there nowadays. Even if you don't want to go and do a deep dive on the comic book history or anything like that, plenty of, of things you can watch on your television set. That first season of Constantine with Matt Ryan is available to stream. Uh, I believe that's on the HBO Max right now. You can get it there. It's also probably on a couple other formats, too. It's it's not hard to find, trust me. Uh, probably, on, on, probably on Peacock, even the free version. Something like that. You'll be able to find it. And there's a couple of uh, DC animated pictures featuring uh, Constantine. There's a Hellblazer one. There's a Justice League Dark. Uh, Justice League Dark is, is is the supernatural characters of the DC Universe. We've talked about it a little bit because there's been rumors of a, of a Justice League Dark movie for a couple of years now. And now there's talk of a Justice League Dark HBO series uh, that would feature Constantine and Swamp Thing. And, and some of the other mystical characters. Um, you know, Dr. Fate or Zatanna and Zatara. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of them. The, the Phantom Stranger is one of them. We'll, we'll see if any of that comes to light. But there's a lot of content you can get there if you are a fan of Constantine already. So uh, with that being said, I want to thank uh, Roger Smith once again for, for hanging out and having a cool discussion with me about a movie that we are big, big fans of on the TomCast Popcast. And I want to thank you guys all for listening to the TomCast Popcast. We appreciate all the downloads, all the love, all the support. We do this podcast for you guys. I mean, we do it for us too, but we do it for you guys too to listen and enjoy and uh, put a little uh, lightness, a little fun into your day. That's what the Tomcast Popcast is all about. And uh, like John Constantine, I am also a flim flam man as I spin my yarns about a rocket locomotive. Oh wait, that's from Ghostbusters. Anyways, I want to thank my current Patreons because uh, without you guys, the lights would be not on in the studio and it'd be very... Very, very dark. So, thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, co-host of The Ringing Ear. Thank you to Evil Circle, evilest of all the circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, and the New Jersey Devil himself, Mark Wegemer. Thank you all so much for being Patreons. Make sure everyone out there, make sure you are uh, subscribed to the show on social media, at Tomcast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. You can join Patreon, hang out with those cool Pophead Nation members at patreon.com forward slash TomcastPopcast and get ex- exclusive access to super cool bonus content that I produce on the reg for you guys, guys and gals, guys and gals. And again, once again, uh, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, like the podcast, share the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play. And if there's something else you want us on, let me know about it, and we'll get there. So thank again for the billion time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the, all the downloads, and all the all the sharing, the love, and the support. It means the world to me, and I again, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think some of you Got some enjoyment out of it. And one final note before we finalize the closing out of the show. That's gone on 
far too long already. I did want to mention real quick that super friends of this podcast, Reagan Myers, the occasional co-host on the show, uh, has launched a podcast of his own with his dear sweet brothers, and they are also friends of mine. So this podcast is called Come On. It's still good. And the first episode is out now, and it's all about The Rock, the film, the film, The Rock, not the wrestler of The Rock, about the film, Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, and the episode's titled, You're the Rocket Man. So I wanted to mention this to you guys, if anyone's interested, it's called Come On, It's Still Good, and I am going to take full credit for being the inspiration for this podcast <laughs> happening, <laughs> because it was not that long ago that I mentioned how The Rock was a goddamn underrated classic on this show. And now, now Reagan, Ryan, and Rob are are uh, having a podcast where they're discussing the 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 qualifications of The Rock being a, a still a good movie, and I think it's a fun time. So if you guys want to check it out, head over to the podcast platform you prefer and download. Come on, it's still good. All right. With all that being said, let's wrap up this episode. One hundred eight of the Tomcast podcast is in the books. Ciao, babes. This world is mine. In time. You, best of all of us, Gabriel, should understand. Ambition. Son of perdition. Little horn. <laughs> Most unclean. And you miss the old name. Time to go home, son. I will smite. In his honor. Looks like somebody doesn't have your back anymore. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions!